Amen. I don't, know if, I don't know if you're anything like me, but in our house, we have a couple of holidays during the year that we really love to celebrate. One is the 4th of July, Independence Day. Anybody else enjoy that and enjoy that day? Yeah, so our scene usually goes something like this. We get up, we head over to right out in front of the, the church here because there's something that's happening down the street, typically, in a normal year, right? There's a parade that takes place. And I've probably seen that parade 40 times in my lifetime. And uh, it's pretty much the same every year. But we still, it's a tradition. We love it. There's fun, fun stuff. I get to see people in the, in the community that I know and I love. And once in a while, I uh, join the parade for a second while I high-five people. Uh, but we just, uh, we have a great time of celebration together. And then usually, you go home and you relax for a little bit. And then you gear up for the next party which lately has taken place at my um, sister-in-law and her husband's Katie and Sam's house. And they have a pool, and there's just a huge celebration, and we shoot off fireworks off their diving board, and it's really cool. And then we get to usually watch the big show that takes place uh, nearby uh, in their backyard. So we celebrate that day. We, we love celebrating that day. There's family and friends that gather, and we just have this kind of like plan, because why? Because... We celebrate our independence, our freedom from the tyranny of King George. Anybody remember that guy? You guys remember King George? He was a wicked, mean dude, right? And, and we declared our independence on July 4th, 1776, from the tyranny of that man and what he was trying to do here in America. And so we celebrate that as a community. We all understand. We know that day. The other day we love to celebrate is December 25th. Anybody know what that is? Christmas, right? And we have a whole routine in our family for Christmas where, where the kids run upstairs and wake me up because I'm tired and I just want to sleep in, but they can't stand it. They want to open their stockings. They want to get going early first thing in the morning, and they love just opening their gifts and celebrate. We read the story in Luke about how Jesus came, and that's the reason we celebrate this day, because God's presence came and dwelt among us. That's the celebration of Christmas. I know we, we have lots of other things that we do on that day, but when it comes down to it, why are we celebrating December 25th? We're celebrating it because it's a, it's a day to remember and memorialize God's special presence and God's deliverance among his people. Well, in the Jewish tradition, there's one day that combines both of those days. And that one day that combined both of those days is known as Passover. That day was special among the people. I just read the book of Exodus, chapter 12. That day was created by God as a miraculous day, as a day of God's deliverance for the people of Israel. Do you realize that they were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years? We complain, and, and any slavery is an injustice, but we complain about something that took place less than half of that time in America. There's all kinds of problems from that, right? All kinds of ramifications of slavery. And yet, people of Israel, they were enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. Imagine generation after generation after generation just abused, mistreated. As a matter of fact, when Moses was born, they were killing all the the, the males of the slaves in Egypt. They were just eliminating male slaves. There were too many of them. They couldn't control them anymore. They had to find a way to create atrocities, kill the, the firstborn, 
And you remember Moses was put in a basket and he was set down on a river and, and, and he was discovered by the prince, the princess of Egypt and he was rescued. And God preserved his life and, and set him apart for a mission. And that mission took place during Passover. It also celebrates not only their independence from Egypt, their delivery from the tyranny of that pharaoh and that system of injustice, but it also represented a time where God showed up. God showed up in their experience in a miraculous way, in a powerful way. He came, and he was there, and he was present with them. It says that he led them out of Egypt by a pillar of fire by night and a cloud of glory by day. God showed up on Passover, and God delivered his people. We're coming to our text in Luke this morning, Luke chapter 22. And you'll remember that in our series, Bringing Jesus into Focus, we've been looking at this idea that we're marching towards the culmination of the gospel, the culmination of what the Bible presents Jesus' mission on earth was here to do. And so, so we're in this text in Luke 22, and it says this, the festival of unleavened bread, which is called, anybody got your Bible out? Which is called Passover, was drawing near. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to put him to death. Who's the him? They were looking for a way to kill Jesus because they were afraid of the people. They were afraid of the following that this man had gathered. You remember just a few days earlier, he had been celebrated as they waved palm branches and welcomed him into Jerusalem as their king, as their deliverer, as their Messiah. And the chief priests and the religious leaders, they were corrupt and they wanted power and this man was a threat. So they were plotting to put him to death. Look at Matthew 26, because it gives us an expounded view of what this looked like. Matthew 26, verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying all of this, he told his disciples, you know that the Passover takes place after two days, and the Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, who is called Caiaphas, and they conspired to arrest Jesus in a treacherous way and kill him. Verse 5, but not during the festival, they said, so that there won't be rioting among the people. You see that their plan, man's plan, was not to do it during the Passover. Let's not arrest Jesus and kill him when all of these people are gathered because these people have celebrated him as king. These people will riot against us. We don't stand a chance. So it looks like the idea that Jesus dying on Passover, that Jesus dying as the Passover lamb, the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, that that's not going to take place. The men aren't even plotting for that to happen. Verse 3 of our text in Luke 22, Then Satan entered Judas, called Iscariot. Iscariot was a town in Judea, in in the region known as Moab. Moab was a descendant of Lot and his daughter and the incestual relationship that took place back in Genesis between the two. Moab was a descendant, and ever since then, Moab had a curse 
And here's a man who derives from this place, Judas, who Jesus had called to follow him. Come, be my disciple, follow me. He was one of the twelve who was numbered among the twelve. John chapter 12 gives us us a glimpse as to what was taking place in the heart of this man, Judas. Read with me, six days before the Passover. This is just a few days before the events that we're about to read. Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, the one Jesus had raised from the dead. You guys remember that? He raised Lazarus from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them. And Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Imagine a man who was dead for four days, who had come back to life at the word of Jesus. The power of the word of Jesus raised a man from the dead. And here he is, like, hanging out with Jesus now at a dinner that's being thrown in his honor. What stories? Wouldn't you like to be on that couch? I don't know if they had couches, but on that floor... Listening to those conversations, that would have been cool. Verse 3, then Mary took a pound of fragrant oil. This is a woman who loved Jesus. This is a woman who was thankful for the gift of life, the life of her brother. She had weeped. Jesus had seen her weeping and wept with her. He was moved in his spirit to a place of sorrow. Mary took a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, and anointed Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the whole house was filled with the fragrance of that oil. Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, this same guy, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? 300 denarii is like 300 days' worth of wages. We're talking a year's worth of wealth that was just poured on Jesus' feet. What a waste! The disciple Judas says, why wasn't it given to the poor? He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, the Bible tells us, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag and would steal part of what was put in it. Wow. Here's a man, one of the twelve, one of the twelve disciples. This guy was faithful. He came to church every Sunday. He was here. He walked among us. He hung out. He did ministry together. We... He was teaching with the kids in the Sunday school class with me. This is a guy who was known in the community. He was trusted with the money. But God gives us a hint into his heart. He was not about the agenda of Jesus. He was about his own agenda, his own promotion. So verse 7, Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. You know, Satan is always working to kill, steal, and destroy. Do you realize that? John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us the, minute, the mission and the, and the ministry of Satan. And that mission and that ministry is to kill you and everything that you love and everything that God loves, to steal from you the joy and the peace that God wants you to enjoy through a relationship with him and to destroy your life and the lives of everyone else that God has, has sought to rescue. That's his mission, and he's pretty good at it. He's pretty good at it. And he had entered into Judas's heart, the Bible tells us, in this moment. Why? Why? Because Judas had let him. Because Judas was flirting with the idea of betraying Jesus. Because Judas was entertaining in his heart 
and in his spirit things that were rotten, things that were not of God. And let me just tell you that when you do that, you provide a gateway. The Bible tells us, tells us that you provide a foothold for the devil to latch onto in your heart and in your life. Don't flirt with the devil. Verse 4, Luke 22. He went away. Who went away? Judas did. And he discussed with the chief priests and the temple police how he could hand him over to them. How can I betray this man Jesus to you? They were glad and agreed to give him silver. So he accepted the offer and started looking for a good opportunity to betray him to them when the crowd was not present. Matthew 26, verse 14, tells us a little more about this period of time. It says this, Then one of the twelve, the man called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I hand him over to you? He's interested in, in more gain for himself. He's, in, he's a greedy man. Jesus is not measuring up to what Judas thought he should be. I thought you were going to throw, overthrow Rome. I thought you were going to like be our conqueror. You keep talking about giving your life. You're not the real Messiah. You're not my Messiah. You're not what I want you to be. So I guess I just I'll gain something from getting rid of you. So they weighed out 30 pieces of silver for him. And from that time, he started looking for a good opportunity to betray him. The prophet Zechariah ministered during the last part of the Israel's reign, a time when Judah was being sacked by the Babylonians. They were coming in, they were fierce warriors, and they, they, they killed and they marauded, and they, they were a wicked people. And God's judgment was falling on his people. And Zechariah was there as God's prophet to the people of God, Israel. And he said this, in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12. He had two staffs that God gave him as a symbol. One was called favor, and one was called union. If you read Zechariah, you can read about those two staffs. And it says this. It says that he took the staff favor, and he broke it in half. And it represented that God's favor over his people was about to be broken. Because of their sin and their rebellion and their turning their hearts away from him, his protection, his favor over his people was going to end. And it says that that very day, the very day that he snapped his staff in half, the favor of the Lord on the inhabitants of the land left them. It left them. The Babylonians broke through. And the people realized this is a prophet of God. This is a true prophet. And in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12, it says, Then I said to them, If it seems right to you, people of Judah, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. So they weighed out my wages, 30 pieces of silver. Then the Lord said to me, Throw it to the potter. This magnificent price, this is sarcastic, this magnificent price, I was valued by them. The word of the Lord valued at 30 pieces of silver. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and I threw it into the house of the Lord to the pot. Zechariah symbolizing what would happen later on in the life of Jesus. The same word of the Lord, the Logos, the one that was there from the beginning, is now betrayed 
by one close to him, Judas, handed over. And what was he valued at? 30 lousy pieces of silver. What an insult to the Son of God who came into our world. My question number one challenge is this. Where is Satan attempting to undermine your allegiance to Christ? He's always working to get in between you and Jesus. That's his mission. If you don't know Jesus yet, Satan is working in your heart to keep you from Jesus. That's his mission. He doesn't want you anywhere near a relationship with Jesus because he knows that's going to change everything. He knows that you're going to be rescued from sin and death over to life and abundance. He doesn't want you there. If you already have that relationship with Jesus, he's always trying to get in between you and your Savior. You and listening to the one that you should follow, the Word of God. Jesus Christ. He's always working. My question and my challenge really to all of us here today is this. Where is Satan attempting to undermine your allegiance to Christ? Only you know that answer and God. I can't see it. You can fool everybody in this room. Did Judas have the other disciples fooled? We know that he did. Because when Jesus told them, one of you is going to betray me, they all started looking at each other like, you're crazy. Like, who is it? They had no idea. Judas had them all fooled. But you can't fool God. God knows your heart. And God wants you to guard your heart. God wants you to understand that Satan's working to undermine that relationship that you have with Jesus. He's trying to destroy it. He's trying to separate you from him. If he can get you on the run, on your own, he's a roaring lion. and He will devour you. He knows how to get to God's sheep. Verse 7, then the day of unleavened bread came when the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. The day of unleavened bread. This idea of leaven represents sin in the community. It was a symbol of sin. So they would bake bread without leaven. What happens without yeast if you bake bread? Any bakers in here? The bread doesn't rise. It stays flat. It becomes flat bread. There's no time to let it rise. Jesus said, it's going to happen in a hurry. Your deliverance is going to come quick. You don't have time to put leaven in your bread. You need to be ready to go because I'm going to deliver you today, tonight. At Passover, when the lamb is slaughtered and the, and the blood is put on the doorpost of your homes, the angel of death is going to pass over. And anyone who doesn't have the, the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, the firstborn in that household is going to die. But if you have the blood of the Lamb, you are rescued, you are delivered, you are safe. It was, a, it was an act of faith, was it not? It was an act of faith of the people of God to put the blood of the Lamb, the perfect Lamb, on the doorpost of their home. Peter and John, it says here, the day of the unleavened bread came when the Passover Lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent two of his disciples, Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover meal for us so that we can eat it. What would they have had to do? They would have had to go out and purchase an approved lamb and take it to the temple to be slain. They would have had to take the lamb and the other elements that were mentioned in Exodus of the supper to the house where they planned to meet. 
And there the lamb would have to be roasted. The table would have to be furnished with wine, with unleavened bread, with the paste of bitter herbs that reminded the Jews of their long and bitter bondage in Egypt. All of these things, Jesus said, hey, it's time to get prepared for the Passover. Verse 9, where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. Listen, he said to them, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a water jug will meet you. Follow him into the house he enters. Tell the owner of the house, the teacher asks you, where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large furnished room upstairs. Make the preparations there. You know, it would have been real easy to find a man carrying a water jug because that didn't happen. The women's job was to carry the water. So for the fact that a man would be carrying a water jug, they'd be like, oh, there he is. What's he doing? He's like dishonoring himself. Doesn't he have a woman to do that for him? This was a sign unto them that God had arranged this in advance and that somebody who believed in the Messiah, who had something to offer, was willing to give it up. He had a room, a beautiful room upstairs in Jerusalem where they could have this final Passover. My question challenged to you is this, what resources has God entrusted to you to use for his purpose? Sometimes we think what belongs to us belongs to us. And that's faulty thinking. What belongs to us belongs to him. And sometimes he's calling for us to give it back over to him for his use. Are we willing? Are we ready for when we're asked of that sacrifice? Verse 13, so they went and found it just as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover. They prepared the Passover. This morning, we're going to take communion in in just a little bit. And I I want to take this moment, I'm going to invite the worship team back up. And we're going to take communion together because God instructs us as his followers to always be thinking about, Jesus, you've delivered me. You are my Passover. Help me to remember that. Help me to focus on that. But before we do, listen to what 1 Corinthians chapter 11 says, verse 28. So a man should examine himself, and in this way he should eat the bread and drink from the cup. Do you realize that one of the things they had to do before the Passover is they had to get prepared? The meal didn't just show up. They actually had to go through steps to make sure that it happened. They also had to prepare their homes They had a little game they would play, usually with the children, where they would hide little pieces of leaven, little pieces of risen bread, and the kids would have to run around, little cookies, and they would have to find all the leaven and remove it from the house, because before you could celebrate the Passover, you had to get rid of the leaven. Well, let me just say this, that we arrive here today, and sometimes we're carrying leaven in our hearts, are we not? We're carrying impure thoughts and impure actions that we know have offended God. And before we come to the cup and the bread and the remembrance of Jesus in communion, we need to be clean. The Bible tells us a man ought to examine himself. And in this way, he should eat the bread and drink from the cup. Where is the devil trying to get in the the way of the relationship you have with Jesus? Has he succeeded in different areas? 
Have you given ground in your heart or in your life to Him? Right now, in this moment, is a time to get right. Is a time to confess your sin. Is a time to get rid of the leaven from your heart and the home of your heart. And so I encourage you, I challenge you that during this next set of worship songs, spend some time with Jesus. And I encourage you to get prepared as we come up and we remember Jesus this morning and celebrate his Passover. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the Passover. I thank you for what you gave us in Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb. God, I pray that we might be prepared to remember you with a clean heart. That we might embrace you and the allegiance that we should have to you with all that we are. God, if there's anything that's in the way, help us to, to get real with you in this moment. To confess it. And knowing that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, we desire to walk with you we desire to say no to the devil and his answers. God, help us be true this morning. Help us not be like Judas. Help us be true to you.